Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You can't gain any more grace from him. The grace he has for you is absolutely perfect. You cannot attain any more love from God because his love for you is complete. You can't change that. And he is protecting you. What he started, he will finish. And that's it with you and I in this life and in this world. He has a plan for you. I think this is one of those verses where it's like, I need to memorize this thing. God's love for you never changes. As you'll learn from today's message with Pastor James, you couldn't be any more loved by God. His love is a complete and everlasting kind of love. It's not based on a daily review or performance evaluation. You could stay in this exact same place today and His love for you would never waver. Pastor James encourages you to lean into the love of God. Know that He desires to walk alongside you and equip you with all that you need in Him. You are a treasure in His sight. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Have you been born again? What? Born again? Yeah, like new creation, you. Changed by Jesus. So we got to start there. And that is something that we have to ask ourselves. Have I been born again? Have I been born again? And only you can answer that. And the qualifier to that is this. If mom and dad were born again, that doesn't make you born again. If grandpa was a pastor in the church, doesn't make you born again. I grew up in the church. Okay doesn't make you born again. A surrender to Jesus is what makes you born again. A receiving him at not only as your savior, but as your Lord and savior makes you born again. Has that happened in your life? If not, let's fix that today. Why go on throughout the rest of this life without making that a reality of who you are? Born again, new life. Here's the selling point. I'm not trying to sell you the gospel or anything, but the rest of this portion of scripture, whatever we can make it through, is like, this is why you want to be born again, okay? Whatever your thoughts are on the church and all that good stuff, no, we're, push those things to the side. We're gonna focus in on Jesus and the reality of following Jesus and being one of his kids, okay? He, so P- Peter goes into this. We've been born again. It's by his great mercy that you've been born again. So again, it's not your works. It's not your pedigree. It's none of that stuff. It's only because of he had mercy on you. And here's the connecting thing. This is, I love this. Because God raised Jesus from the dead. It's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the deal. And we talked about that in the gospel of Mark when we finished that. That is the, man, that is like the foundation of who we are. The resurrection changed everything. I love the incarnation, right? That's Christmas time when Jesus, he came to this world and, and God took on flesh and, and all that. That's beautiful. We needed that. That's absolutely essential. But what we needed beyond that was we needed a savior who would be the perfect sacrifice, but who would also conquer death by raising from the grave three days later. The resurrection is absolutely foundational to, to who we are. And our hope is anchored in that truth. You can go to Israel today. The tomb is still empty, guys, still empty. And they didn't hide his body. They didn't steal his body. 
It was he didn't have some weird twin brother that they kept in the basement forever and then just broke him out for the crucifixion thing. That's a theory that's out there, by the way. Nor is he an alien. That's another one. That's a fun one. Um, no, he's the, he is God in flesh, and he died on the cross, and he rose from the grave three days later. And everything that we do, we are here because of that truth. And you want to know what your hope is through this life. It's the fact that that tomb is still empty. That's the anchor that we hold on to. Because if he, he conquered death, we can conquer anything in and through him. We can get through anything because of him. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So Peter's like, you've been born again. We have this great, you know, this mercy, and we praise God because we've been born again, and, and this is because God has raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with this, this living hope. New Living Translation says great expectation. I appreciate that translation because that's technically what that term means. A living hope is a great expectation. We walk with this confidence. This is true. This will happen. This is not like some, some hope that's out there that like Christmas is coming and you might be like, I really hope I get this gift or that gift or whatever. And it's not really that. This is like solidified in the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. This is his hope. This is his great expectation. Because he showed up and did what he said he was going to do, then everything else he said is true and will happen. And that's that great expectation that we have, that he is coming back. Verse four, he says, we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, for you. And you don't get an inheritance unless you're part of the family, okay? We can't just walk into a lawyer's office today who might be going over a will of somebody who died and you're a stranger off the street and be like, all right, what'd I get? It doesn't work like that. You gotta be part of the family. And so this applies to, so if you're a Christ follower and you're finding that following Jesus is difficult, can I tell you to please hold on because he has something great for you? Well, what is it? I have no idea. Does that help you? Does that clarify? You're like, oh, great. I have no idea. And Peter doesn't even attempt to describe it, what it is, but he does tell us what it's not. Okay? So you have this inheritance. It's kept for you in heaven. We know that. So there's something in heaven waiting for you specifically, not corporately, specifically, individually, right? That even echoes from John chapter 14, where Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. No, you, individually. So whatever thing he's working on up there, mansion, I've heard that term used quite a bit, dwelling place, home, whatever it is, it's designed specifically for you. What does that mean? I don't know. But I know within that language that he is saying, it's for you. So when you walk into that place, I don't even know what this, I, all these images kind of conjure up within my brain. It's like HGTV on steroids, I guess, in heaven. So, but like it's, it's been made for you because nobody knows you better than the one who created you. And all the you know, little idiosyncrasies that are wired within you, hardwired within your, you know, your DNA and all that fun stuff, like it's there for a reason, and look, if I show up to heaven and God's like, you see that shack over there? That's yours. I'm going to be like, sweet. Because yeah, I'd be homeless on the streets of heaven if I had to, right? Like, I just want to be there. Like, I don't, you know, give me a tent, all right? Somewhere, I'm fine. As long as I'm with Jesus, it doesn't matter. Because heaven is heaven because Jesus is there, okay? So if, if there's a, a mansion in the sky for each and every one of us, and I know Chuck Missler does his whole teaching on that, and 
dimensions and all that good stuff. I don't know. That's just like bonus stuff for me. What excites me about heaven is the fact of that, you know, in this life, though I don't see him, I love him, I trust in him, one day I will see him. And that's, that's enough for me. That's heaven for me. That's it. Just with Jesus. That's cool. New heaven, new earth, ruling and reigning with him and all that fun stuff. That's sweet, but that's bonus stuff. That's bonus. To get to hang out with the guy who died on the cross for all my sins, that's heaven. And I'll take that forever. I'll take that for eternity. Never get bored of that. If he wants to give me my pet bear when I'm in heaven, sweet, cool. You're like, pet bear. Yeah, just, I thought about that some time ago. If there's animals in heaven, why wouldn't there be? But, and why wouldn't I get to own a pet grizzly bear in heaven? My name is Grizzle. It just makes sense, right? Like, this is like predetermined by God before the foundations of the world, right? So I'm gonna walk in there and be like, where's my bear? And then Jesus can sit me down and be like, look, you got that all wrong, my bad. So you have this inheritance. Okay, so here's what it's not. It's kept in heaven for you. It's pure and undefiled. That's what it is. So it is beyond the reach of change and decay. So there's nothing that on this side of heaven that can touch it or can change it, or there's no, no decay, no moth, no rust. Oh, praise God for that. No rust at all. Like it is preserved for you in heaven, waiting for you when you arrive there, whenever he sets that date for you. That date has already been set, by the way. Your birth date and your death date, God's already set those things. And I think he sets those things so that we wouldn't worry so much. So in between those two dates, we're living for him. We're living for him. And not in fear, not dreading what's to come. Uh, and, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's understandable, the fear of death. Nobody wants to die, I don't think. If you do, then we need to, that's counseling stuff, right? Like, I'm not looking forward to that, but I do know every single human being has a start date and an end date. And it's the stuff in between. It's like, okay, so what are we doing in between those two dates? Your inheritance, it's been preserved for you. It's kept for you in heaven. Nothing can touch it. No one can touch it. That's yours, and it's from him. It says, verse 5, and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation. Now, what that term there, salvation, is not meaning like salvation from your sins, because that's happened, but this rescue within this life, okay, this ultimate rescue that's going to happen, which has been, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So, Let's just camp out in this verse for a second because you guys, we need to hear this. Through your faith, your confident hope and trust in him and what he has done. And remember, your faith is anchored. It's, it is Jesus, Hebrews 6.19. It is your, he is your hope and your faith is anchored in him. And the foundational fact behind that is the empty tomb. So you have evidence to believe in him and you have evidence and reason to trust in him, right? We believe that, Okay. And that, yes, my sins have been paid for on the cross. I think we would all hopefully agree with that. Now, here's where the disconnect happens. We live in this life full of worry that he won't come through for us. Why? Why? You trust him with the essentials, but you don't trust him with the quote-unquote non-essentials in your life. And this could be a prison for Christians. That's like, I trust him. Like, yeah, I know he died on the cross for me. I know he rose from the grave. Those are huge things to trust in him about. And then it's like, but I don't know if he's going to bail me out or help me in this situation. Why wouldn't he? And I'm not saying he's going to answer all your prayers in the affirmative, because that's not always how he works. But as his kids, as we are, we're sheep to the great shepherd, 
It says there in verse five, through your faith, God is protecting you by his power, not by your good behavior, not by the things that you're doing. You're not earning, you can't earn, you can't merit any more of his favor. What you have from him is perfect. You can't gain any more grace from him. The grace he has for you is absolutely perfect. You cannot attain any more love from God because his love for you is complete. You can't change that. And he is protecting you. What he started, he will finish. And that's it with you and I in this life and in this world. He has a plan for you. I think this is one of those verses where it's like, I need to memorize this thing. Not just for head knowledge, but I need this thing to sink deep within my heart. It's through your faith. God is protecting you by his power. How much power does God have? All of it. How much do you need? He's really, he's like, I got you. You're like, it doesn't feel like he has me. I know, been there many times. I will walk through that valley many more times in this life. I'm letting you know. I know what that feels like. I've been there, been there, done that. Bought the t-shirt, started the company and all that good stuff, right? Like I've gone through those valleys. I know I will walk through those valleys throughout the rest of my life where it feels like, God, where is this rescue? Where are you at? Why can't I hear from you? But I know in my heart of hearts, because of past trials and tribulations, and I can look back on those things and know he was with me every step of the way, every step of the way. You know that beautiful little, I don't know if it's a poem or not, but the footprints in the sand thing, right? When it, the realization at the end of that thing was like, those weren't my, my feet print within the sands. That was his, and he was carrying me the whole time. And it's a beautiful realization when I look back at the different challenges and, and trials and things that, that I've gone through personally, my family's gone through, where we can look back and be like, no, those weren't my footprints. He was carrying me through that thing. And I didn't even realize it. Didn't even realize it. But he's got power. It's by his power until you receive this rescue, this salvation, which he says, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So he's, it's ready to go. It's ready to go. This salvation, this rescue for, for his kids, rescue from the wrath of God. Okay, this is partly why we would consider ourselves a pre-trib church, pre-tribulation. I know theologically, you may disagree with me on that. You're more of a mid-tribber, fine. We can still be friends, okay? Post-tribber, again, I don't understand you, right? But we can still be friends and we can talk about these things. But the wrath of God was poured out on Christ on the cross. And so if you're his kid, then why would he subject his children to go through more wrath during those end times? That's just one argument I have for that. And I know that there's more to it and all that good stuff. It's a simplification of it. But there's a salvation. There's a rescue coming for his church, for his church. And we believe that we are on the doorstep, so to speak, of that rescue mission. All signs within our world are, are, are just quickly pointing to the fact that, yeah, he's coming back pretty soon. He's coming back pretty soon. Every, again, I don't watch the news a lot, but it seems like every time I turn on the news, there's always something that catches my eye within these articles of like, oh, 
oh, so now this country and this country are working together against this country. Oh, interesting how that all kind of works out geographically. So then it makes a way for these northern countries to kind of invade Israel, which is what the Bible says will happen at the end times. All that's happening right now as we talk. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence at all. God is, he is a brilliant chess player and he's moving these pieces around. We're down here playing checkers and God's playing chess, right? He's like, well, you guys don't get it. He's like, I'm moving this stuff around and everything is falling into place just like he said it was going to. And if anything, that shouldn't make us fearful. That should encourage us, number one, that the Bibles that we hold fast to are, are true and they're real and you should read this thing as often as possible. Let's dig into this thing, study this thing, enjoy the word of God, but then also to be, be excited for what's to come. And then I know the caveat, but can, he can come back, but can he come back after this event in my life, right? Like, I get it. I live there, right? We all were there, I think, at some point in time. When I was 19 years old and I got saved and then people started talking about the rapture, I'm like, whoa, 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 no rapture. No, 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 no. I haven't even gotten a chance to get married yet. So that's no, God, I don't, we just met, but I need you to hold off on that thing, right? Like, I don't, please, you know? And then 21 years later, and now my kids are praying the same thing. Like, no, Jesus, please. No, not yet. Like, we want to, I get it. We want to experience these things. And that's a great thing. How beautiful is that? That's a testimony to the gift of this gift and the graciousness of God that he allows us to experience these wonderful things in this life. But I do know this. If you miss out on anything this side of heaven and you are in heaven, you have no regrets. You know, like, yeah, this place is pretty cool, but, right, There's, that doesn't exist in the, the terminology or the conversations within heaven, okay? It's like, this place is amazing. And can you believe that even the best that this world had to offer is pales in comparison to the least that heaven has to offer? So this day that's quickly approaching, it should excite us. It also should be that thing that motivates us to share our faith with people, and we have this message, this great thing of like born again, made new, made brand new. Who, who doesn't want a fresh start? Who wouldn't love a do-over, right? Who wouldn't want a, a new beginning, a new beginning? Because maybe your life up until this point has just been nothing but train wrecks. And with Jesus, he says, we can start over. We can start new. We can start new. Those past mistakes and sinful decisions, those things, they don't have to define you. You're not defined by those past mistakes. Let's, we can make you brand new. And then what defines me? I define you, is what Jesus would say. You're covered in my blood. You have been made holy. You've been made righteous. I define you. You're a child of mine. That's a beautiful message, a remedy of hope for a world that is without hope. And again, to go back to that definition of this great mercy, it's unmerited favor towards sinners like us in their hopeless condition. And the beauty of how God works is he's placed us here for this moment in time to be ambassadors, to represent him and say, hey, I know hope. Hope is real. Hope lives in me. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. What a beautiful message to share with our world that we do love. We do love. Why? Because he loves them. Because God loves them. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world 
He sent his only begotten son. Whosoever should believe on him should not die or perish, but be what? But be saved. This is what we have to offer to this world, and it's exactly what they need. It's exactly what they need. It's what the world should be seeing more and more of from the church. I don't get it. I don't understand. But these people seem to love me. That should be the sentiment of the world. Now, I'll tell you right now, the world does not think that way of the church at all. Okay? But we can change that. Just because they have a perception of us doesn't mean that that's reality. And it should never be the reality of Calvary Galveston. We love because he first loved us. And if he loved me and was willing to come to, to, to this earth and take on all my sins upon himself on the cross and raise from the grave, how could I not love other people? And how could we not meet them where they're at? And it's not accepting of this and accepting of that. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. No, it's standing for truth and for holiness, but saying because of his great love for me that I want to extend that great love to you. This world needs this gospel message. It desperately needs this gospel message. And, and I, again, I'll, I'll quote this back because we're talking about things of like, and now if you hear the term election and all that stuff, please know that that's Peter's way of kind of focusing everybody's attention back onto the Old Testament and all that good stuff. But I shared this quote last week concerning uh, what Charles Spurgeon said. He's like, yeah, I'm sure that you know, God selected, chose all the ones who are going to get saved beforehand and all that good stuff. But the problem was he never told us who they were, right? Out of like predetermined and all that good stuff. Here's the deal. You're a believer. You've been commissioned to go and proclaim this gospel message to anyone and to everyone, okay? Because salvation of the souls is his business, not ours. We're just messengers. And so we have this beautiful message of hope and that there's forgiveness of sins, that there's a new beginning that can be found in Jesus and you can be born again into this new life, new creation. And we got to share that with people. We have to share that with them. And you can't do that with a grumpy look on your face. It doesn't communicate all that well, right? Like, yeah, you should go to church. Oh, do you go there? Okay, I'm not going to go to that one. It's not working for you. Like, to go back to the beginning, Christians should be the most joyful people on this planet. And not because everything's going right for us, because, look, let's be honest, it feels like everything's going wrong for us. But our hope is not conditional. Our joy is not conditional, Our rejoicing is not conditional. It is cemented in who he is and what he has done. He died, he rose again, he's coming back. Christians rejoice. Rejoice. And if you're going through difficult times, hey, it's okay to let people know that. You don't have to fake it till you make it and all that other nonsense, right? Like, no, if you're having a bad day, you're having a bad day, own it. Yeah, I'm having a bad day, right? And if you say that with your unbelief, but, but God, things aren't going right. But I know the Lord, through his power, can get me through this because my hope is in him. That way, and reach out to Christians, brothers and sisters in the Lord, and, and have them pray for you. It's okay. Christians aren't always, you know, slappy, happy, and all that good stuff, right? You're not supposed to be. This life has trials and tribulations, but we have joy that should be inexpressible and that is not conditional. So I can walk around, and I, I may be mourning but there's rejoicing that can happen within my heart. So as believers, as the church, as we're just reflecting on this, I would encourage us, we have the greatest message ever. And let's go and share it with people. And be real with them. Don't put on some front or be fake or none of that nonsense. You be real with them, but you let them know, the hope that I have is it's in Jesus. And you can have it too. 
Don't you find it interesting that some of the most inspiring stories involve the main character suffering and possibly even dying for the sake of the cause? This theme is interwoven into mankind because it's inspired by Jesus himself. He suffered unjustly at the hands of cruel and sinful men, but the story didn't end with suffering and death. Although the final chapter of this life typically ends with suffering and death, the life beyond earthly existence is something that's worth taking risks and even suffering for. Living the Christian life is risky. It involves dying to yourself and being willing to take the heat from those that don't want to hear the message. If you're just tuning into this message and would like a little more backstory to the book of 1 Peter, we encourage you to go to our website, breadforthebroken.com, and take a look at the additional messages. As you browse our website, you'll also find an easy way to donate to this ministry if God leads you to do so. Are you in the Galveston area? If so, come visit us at Calvary Galveston. Once more, you can find out all the details of service times and location at our website, breadforthebroken.com. If you're not in the area, then you can join us on our live stream. We live stream on Facebook. Just search for Calvary Galveston. Here on Bread for the Broken, our mission is to find hope and new life in Jesus. We trust that what you're hearing on this radio ministry is uplifting to your soul, reminding you that your new life starts with Jesus. Leave a marker in your Bible where we've left off and come back again for more here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you